ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. We're going to talk some LSU football now. The LSU game originally scheduled for uh, Tiger Stadium Saturday night at 8 was uh, moved to Columbia, Missouri for Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Yesterday evening, reports started to come out. So instead of playing Mizzou at home, they'll play Mizzou on the road. Instead of playing them at night, they'll play them in the morning. That's that. But joining me now is Brody Miller. He covers the LSU Tigers for the Athletic, formerly of the Times-Picayune. And um, he is a, a South Jersey native, but... He's been down in the South for a little while. He uh, also does the Hold That Podcast podcast with our friend T-Bob Bear Brody, man, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm absolutely, man. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm great. So uh, before we, we, we talk LSU, you know, being a, a native of South Jersey, at what point uh, did you kind of get to the South and, and it stopped being like weird to you? Or is it still kind of weird at times? So it's a great question, and my actual answer is I feel like I had a nice little warm-up tour before I got down here because, first off, most of my family is from the northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area. So I was kind of exposed to, like, you know, a slight southern atmosphere. And then I went to college in Indiana at IU, so that was also, like, a more of a Midwestern kind of – I actually would argue Indiana's not that different from the south in a lot of ways. So it was kind of like a little bit of a warm-up tour. Then I went to Jackson, Mississippi, which is – full-blown South. So that was definitely the wake-up call working for the Clarion Ledger and seeing a real culture change and whatnot. And then by the time I got to, you know, New Orleans and Baton Rouge, well, one, it's less, you know, quote-unquote South, I feel, than the Mississippi in terms of culture and whatnot. It's kind of its own South Louisiana thing. So if anything, this just feels like home now. It feels like a perfect kind of hybrid of, of what I'd want, you know? I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> No, it it does. And, you know, right out the gate, you said a lot of your family from kind of that northern Kentucky area near Cincinnati. I mean, look, it's it's TV and um, where I'm going with this next statement. And, and obviously, you know, you see depictions of Louisiana in shows and stuff, and it's clearly not always that accurate. But I remember just watching Justified. I love that show, right? I watched like every <laughs> season of it, and it took place in in those parts. And I worked with some guys at a summer camp years ago that were all from like northern Kentucky. So I definitely hear where you're coming from on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, most places really aren't that inherently different. That is my number one takeaway. Everywhere's got a mall, right? Everywhere's got the same stores. It's got a McDonald's, you know? The core things are really the same. It's just some slight cultural things. That's it. It's, it's where the culture is a little different. Uh, Brody Miller, our guest, ESPN 1420. Well, on that note, when you lose the amount that you that, that LSU lost in a season, I, this is where I was at. Like, I... I was a big Joe Burrow guy before he went off last season. Uh, me and my former co-host felt like, you know, LSU was a national championship contender before last season, and he was going to be the biggest reason why. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, because to be honest, Brody, uh, despite having that confidence and thinking he could be that good, I did not foresee what then unfolded. I wasn't thinking 15 yeah. and 0 and all these records and everything else. That so, you know, this year I'm looking at the team and I'm like. I, I almost feel like six and four this is before the season started because of how much they lost. Now, Coach O is very big about culture as we kind of get back to that word. Where do, do you feel like the culture is is the same as it was last year? Is it still evolving this season? Where are you at as, as somebody that, that covers this program as in-depth as you do? No, I mean, 
if I'm just, I mean, before I say this, I want to preface it by saying, like, I think everything's going to be fine there. You know, like, I do think the way he's recruiting and the grand scheme of things, like, they will be okay in the long haul. I really do believe that. But, no, it's not the same culture this year, and I think it would be silly to think it was. You know, I mean, first off, I mean, we'll just start with the fact that, yeah, you lose all, you know, 19 starters with the, when you factor in the opt-outs. And, and more importantly, you lose, like, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I've been at a lot of different schools. I mean, 2019's LSU team had some of the – that's just, like, leadership core I've, I've seen covering sports in a while where it was, like – like nine to 10, like true leaders. And like each position group had like a clear cut guy who everyone looked to, you know, that's not that normal. So that was a pretty, you know, for lack of a better term, special leadership group. So you lost all those. And that's not to say new guys won't step up and be leaders and all those things, but you know, that just takes time. So you're not going to have that in 2020, the same way you did. Then you have the talent stuff. And then you also factor in, and listen, I mean, it's a complex thing, and we can get into that if you want, but else you didn't have – I mean, Ed Ogeron didn't really have a great summer in terms of the locker room this, the last two months, you know? I think there was some tension in the locker room with kind of how he handled some of the Black Lives Matter stuff and, and some of his political comments he's made, stuff like that. Like, that that does create a tension in things. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's, you know, the same culture he saw in 2019. And by no means would I say that. But at the same time, I don't think it's like a problem or anything. And I think by, in the – grand scheme of things this is a 2020 team that's going to get better as the year goes on it's gonna you know they have a ton of talent like the talent on this team is still loaded they just need experience look at the 2018 team for example so i think they're going to be okay in the long run i bet 2021 might actually be a really good team this just might be a team that's going to have some highs and some lows brody miller our guest of the athletic espn 1420.com i was reading your article uh from the athletic this morning when I woke up, um, well, shortly after I woke up, it was released, but uh, what to make of LSU's Bo Pelini-led attacking-style defense. Um, you know, Coach O, it's fun to watch. I know that LSU fans didn't find it fun against Mississippi State. It was somewhat <laughs> more enjoyable Saturday night in Nashville against Vanderbilt, but um, I, I remember covering this team really closely back in 05, um, and, or 04, rather, in Pelini's first season. No, check that, 05 with LSU. And it really kind of got off to a rough start, too. Now, nothing like we saw against Mississippi State, but it was like, I remember talking to listeners, like, look, when you have a whole new scheme and a whole new defensive philosophy, it takes a while for a team to adjust. And that wasn't to make an excuse. It was just facts. And, you know, they, they barely beat Arizona State. Then they lost on a weird Monday night game to Tennessee. And then, you know, as the season went on, the defense got better and better and better. Just Putting in a whole new scheme, how different do you think this defense is going to look by the end of the season compared to what we've seen through the first two weeks? Yeah, you know, because as much, I mean, I, I criticized Oakland heavily in my stories last week, you know, and I do think there is a lot of reasons that he should be, you know, torched the way he was after week one because the no adjustments is a real problem. And, and you know, not being able to, you know, adjust to an air rate is a, is a problem. But, but I, I still saw the pieces that the main core things he was going for, whether right or wrong, you know, they may not work out, but the core things he was going for were working. And now two weeks in, they haven't faced a great O-line yet and all that. But I do think the number one thing Coach O wanted was an aggressive attacking four-man front that lets those talented linemen get upfield and make plays. They want some aggressiveness. They want pressing corners, all those things. Those things are working. They are. I mean, LSU – Granted, through two pretty, you know, below average, you know, offensive lines and whatnot, it has one of the best pass rushes in the country, if not the best. They are 
a 45% pressure rate. Ollie Gay and Andre Anthony are first and fourth in the country in the SEC in pressures. You know, like Joseph Evans looks great. Glenn Logan hasn't even played yet and will be back this week. You know, Apuaika looks great. They got guys there, and I think that, that attack looks great. It's, it's the idea, like you're saying, of, okay, that works, but the entire principle of this scheme is being able to attack up front, own the box, and then be able to trust those, you know, All-American, All-SEC corners and one-on-one coverage, because if you can do that, then, yeah, I think this defense actually has a chance to be really good. I spent a long portion of this summer talking about how I think this defense is going to be better than last year and all that stuff, and I, so far I'm obviously wrong. But having Stingley back obviously is a big deal. Let's not be silly. Cordell Flott is a pretty solid corner, in my opinion. Bias Ricks is a true freshman that has two picks already and is going to probably make some freshman mistakes like leaving against Mississippi State. You do have to be prepared for that, but I think it's going to get better as the year goes on. And, again, like I said, two pretty impressive interceptions – and then Jay Ward was playing week one with a banged-up meniscus, and he hadn't practiced in two weeks, you know? So that's not me, like, defending or, like, playing devil's advocate for that that secondary, but I, do, I don't think we'll ever look as bad as it did that Saturday, you know? Playing without Stingley, playing without with a banged-up Ward, all in a young Rick. So it's a long-winded way of saying, I think the secondary is going to look better as the year goes on, especially as they play those better opponents. And if those corners look good and the pass rush looks good, I, I do kind of think this defense could be really good. The big question is, is just please play calling, please these adjustments, all those things. If, if he really is the coach that seemed like he's not going to make those adjustments and not get out coached by bigger, you know, other co- offensive minds, that's a real problem. But I do, I am still optimistic. Sorry for a long-winded response. No, not at all, man. <laughs> uh, you, you, trust me. I mean, the, the more long-winded, the better. They don't want to hear me all the time. That's why I bring on good guests, Brody Miller, our guest, LSU beat reporter for The Athletic, host of the Hold That Podcast podcast. Um, uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, Miles Brennan, you know, you had a great piece on him last week about why, you know, he felt like they were going to bounce back. I mean, Vandy, Vandy was kind of just what the doctor ordered for a lot of reasons. And on one hand, I hear folks say, oh, well, it's Vandy. Well, on the other, all those same folks know that if LSU had struggled for you know, 60 minutes to put them away, they'd all be freaking out right now. So it's a balance <laughs> between not overreacting, but still, look, they just seem more confident and more comfortable. I think the comfort part is is a big part of it. Um, and and I, I, I just, I didn't understand all of the um, criticism of Brennan after the Mississippi State game. I'm like, what? Like, look at what your defense just did. I mean, I'm not saying he was perfect, but... I didn't. I didn't come out of that game like, oh gosh, LSU's got a problem at quarterback. I mean, not at all. I think, I think they've got you know a solid starter that can grow in this offense. But uh, you've you've gotten to spend a little time. You've gotten to talk to him. You know the story there. Just it's a very general question here, Brody. But what is your overall feel for Miles Brennan, like his ceiling? And then the the, the second part of the question is really his leadership because you you said it earlier last year's LSU team of all you've got a lot of sports in your life they just had a certain high level of leadership that you don't see every year so where's Miles Brennan sort of in that locker room right now in regards to that yeah you know what the first thing I mean I, I I think I you pretty much nailed most of my thoughts pretty well which is that yeah, he looked uncomfortable week one. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Joe Burrow looked uncomfortable for eight games of 2018. That's not to say he's going to become Joe Burrow. It just means new quarterbacks who basically haven't started a football game since high school in 2016. Yeah, they're going to be a little rusty. That's just how it works. You're playing the SEC defense for the first time in basically your life, you know, in a real starting role. So it's going to take some time. I, but I still 
think they're, you know, were valid questions. And, and it's kind of funny. I mean, going into the season, I spent, you know, a lot of it talking about how LSU just got bailed out. That schedule so big because the biggest thing the schedule does is it basically gave like a three week preseason or warm up stretch of winnable games that Miles Brennan and this offense could just get comfortable, like you're saying, and start to just get reps and know what they're doing. Cause that is, you know, normally you are doing that against, you know, a Northwestern state or, a, you know, someone like that. So, that's not making excuses, but they, they probably figured they'd be 3-0 and through this stretch. And, yes, that they should be criticized for that Mississippi State loss. But they always knew it was going to be, you know, some, some adjustments being needed to be made and him getting more comfortable. And, I mean, I'm not saying he, I think he's going to be an all-SEC quarterback, but I think the biggest thing fans should be excited about is that he genuinely looked like he improved in just seven days on the biggest things that were problems. That is everything you could ask of a quarterback. It's so hard to actually fix a problem in a week. And he looked more comfortable. He looked more in command. His accuracy seemed better. LSU's offense kind of was more balanced and ran the ball, which put him in better position. So that means that offensive, you know, Steve Ensminger is adjusting from what he's seeing, which is also promising. So, yeah, I, I'm still skeptical. I still think Miles Brennan's the definition of somebody who's going to go off some weeks and give you like 400 yards and win you a game you shouldn't, and also be somebody who might throw two or three picks and cost you a game you should win. You know, it, it, it's okay. You know, like I think he's going to have some really great moments and some rough ones. And it's year one. But so far, what I saw week two, he looked like a guy who, you know, can win you games, can be a good quarterback. The problems, like you said, were more about the defense week one than Miles Brent. As for the leadership part, I mean, I do think he stepped up as a leader. I, I, there's no doubt about that. He's become more of a vocal figure because I think his dad put it best to me, and I think Coach O said it as well, that, you know, you know, when you're the backup quarterback, even if you have leadership skills, even if you are somebody who has that kind of personality – that's just not your place, you know, like that's Joe's team. And it, it would really be ruffling feathers if you actually tried to be a leader as a backup quarterback. So he sat back and waited, right? Mm. But he has stepped up in that sense. I don't know if he's somebody everyone on that team just like looks to and respects the same way they did Joe Burrow. I think that takes time and probably will come after, you know, battling in the trenches together for a while. But I do think he stepped up in that sense. I do think he's vocal and he's not afraid to kind of hold guys accountable. I've seen him talk to O-linemen. I've seen him talk to receivers about things like that. So, you know, my answer is kind of in the middle where, yeah, I think he is one of the leaders of this team. I don't think he's necessarily, you know, the guy that everybody's going to listen to yet. Good stuff. Brody Miller, I guess. It's kind of like he's he's getting there, but there's still, there's still work to be done. It's not just given. It's not just handed over to you because – you're the QB, but um, it, it seems like he's got it in him. And and I just said, look, when you've, you typically in in football, when you have to replace a legend, and I know he was just a quarterback last year, but that was a legendary season. Absolutely. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced the legend, because you really have nowhere to go but down, even if you're really good. And it's just it's just a tough spot to be in, especially with this fan base that that you deal with quite a bit. But um, I think. I think he's he's a good player. Um, he throws a hell of a spiral, man. That thing just looks pretty. I'll <laughs> give him that. Uh, Brody Miller of The Athletic, uh, covering the LSU Tigers on the beat, covering the Tigers for The Athletic, our guest, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. Uh, the, the, the LSU run game seemed to kind of get going. John Emery had a big one. Uh, I know that some of these young running backs were all the rage heading into last season before Clyde Edwards Elaire just went off and, and did so many things for that team last year. But as a whole, where, where do you, in terms of pecking order and the LSU run game, when you look around the SEC a little bit, where do you think, is this, is this unit, you think it'd be ranked kind of near the top at seasons in somewhere in the middle? What is your, I guess, barrier for this team, this, the bar? 
That's a really good question, and it's one that I don't know if I have a great answer to yet. Just because, you know, and I'll, I'll decide, I, mean, I don't know if I've seen enough of, like, every team that comes through to really know, you know, who's got the best rushing attacks right now. Because, I mean, I mean, Alabama's looks fantastic right now off the top of my head. You know, Ole Miss looks really good. But LSU definitely has, you know, a really talented running. I mean, I'll admit I was kind of surprised, you know, during the month of August and September when I had Ogeron. on. You know, we kept getting those kind of vague questions of, like, hey, what's the – the, the strength of your team right now and, and he kept saying offensively he thinks it's the running backs which really did surprise me but I'm starting to see it you know where I think there's a lot of you know receiver is superstar talent but there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of you know just connections that aren't quite there and we've even seen the drops you know you know Terrace Marks is a star but after that there's just going to be highs and lows and you know Brennan same thing we've already been over that no line I actually like the starting five but there's not much depth there not a lot of experience there so yeah that running game looks pretty solid and I don't think any one guy's ever going to become the top, you know, like get 25 touches a game guy. I just don't, you know, no one's going to be Clyde this year. I know everyone's asking for John Emery to take over that job. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Emery soon becomes the guy who gets the most touches. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I really do think it's going to be a ride the hot hand kind of thing. I think every one of those guys is probably going to have a different week where they're the star, you know, because I think certain games, you know, Emery was perfect for this game. He, he's perfect at getting an open field and, and making like a Vanderbilt defender miss with ease, you know, but <laughs> there might be games where, I don't know, maybe the Florida game, you need somebody more, you know, like a Tyreon Davis price, or maybe a certain game you need, you know, Chris Curry just barreling through and getting those five yards every time. So I, I, I don't know where they rank, but I think it's a really good core. I don't know if any one guy has proven to me he's a star that can just take over, but they all bring something different. They all, from what I've gathered, actually like really like each other, and none of them are really selfish about it, which is important with something like that, as you know. So it's a good group, and I, and I I wrote about it I think last week that they you know if Miles Brennan's going to be good, you need to rely on that run game some because he's just not ready yet to be you know a a fifty pass a game guy yet. He needs more reps and he needs that that running game to get him comfortable. Good stuff, Brady Miller, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. What's your you know, what's your biggest concern for this team right now after two weeks, after two games that were so polar opposite in a lot of ways? You know, I, I'd, say, I'd say my biggest concern is, you know, uh, definitely, I mean, improving otherwise, listen, that performance of that secondary, I mean, who was just anything else, you know, against Mississippi State. And they looked better Saturday. Having Derek Stingley obviously matters a lot. So I'm not going to like act like I think it's a, a huge weakness. But yeah, I think that's definitely the thing I'm following the most. And then the other is, you know, I don't know if there's any one area where I'm like, this is a major problem, but I just want to see the tackling improve for sure. I think that's a real thing. I think tackling has been kind of iffy through two weeks and you haven't seen a real, I'm not going to say toughness. I'm not going to say that. Like, but there's just not that like six hats at the ball ready to make it five got right now. Maybe that'll be better in bigger games, but I think tackling stands out. You want to see improvement in those corners. And, you know, I think the jury's just still out on the offensive line. You know, they look kind of iffy week one. They looked really good against Vanderbilt, but that's a Vanderbilt, you know. And they, and they and they deserve credit for that. They look great against Vanderbilt. Brennan didn't get touched. But I think I'm just skeptical of the offensive line because it's not very deep right now and whatnot. So I think that's probably my uh, – my, no, there's no glaring hold, but those are kind of the things I'm watching. Brody Miller, check him out on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at Brody A. Miller. Uh, the Hold That Podcast podcast. So uh, you get to spend, like, you know, long conversations with T-Bob Hebert, uh, our, who, 
who everyone uh, I think listening knows and, and has heard on this show before. What's it like just um, hosting a podcast with someone that is not just passionate about LSU, but pretty much anything and everything? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's a journey because you know sometimes like we'll be talking about you know I don't know a tackle and all of a sudden it's on a six minute tangent about the Middle Ages and mm-hmm. like you know wizards and yep. you know comparing it and usually it comes around I'll give them credit usually his weird analogies come around and work pretty well but uh but yeah sometimes he goes on one of those and I'm saying right, I'm gonna get out of the way for a few minutes you know let 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 T Bob cook and uh, so there's a lot of needing to just like trust him on his things but. Also, it's a lot of sometimes you got to make fun of T-Bob and bring him down a notch because sometimes we'll go a little too far with something and you got to bring him down to earth a little. But I, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's been honestly nobody who I could think would be more fun to host a podcast with because, as you know, he's a weirdo and a goofball, but he is genuinely one of the smarter people I know and can actually really – I think we bring two different, very different mindsets to things but also agree at the same time. So it's kind of a – it's a fun dynamic. In the meantime, up next for LSU is a game that was going to be a home game on Saturday night. Now is a road game on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. against the Missouri Tigers. Uh, And then after Mizzou, LSU's got Florida and then South Carolina and Auburn and things get difficult. So obviously it's it's difficult having to go on the road when you're planning on being at home. But they're playing a Missouri team, Brody, that has had their struggles. I mean, they haven't won yet this year. Granted, they played Alabama and Tennessee, but... What are you expecting uh, for this Tigers-Tigers matchup now instead of Baton Rouge and Columbia against uh, Missouri uh, as LSU will face them Saturday morning? Well, I think the thing to uh, to watch was, and I'm not going to make too much of it, don't get me wrong, else you should win this game by three scores, but I was at, because I watched a good amount of Missouri uh, versus Tennessee, and you know, Tennessee handled them, make no mistake, but you know, they finally kind of gave the reins a little bit to Mizzou quarterback Connor, I believe it's pronounced Basilak, I could be wrong, but... You know, he looks like a good thrower. He throws a good football. He makes him kind of got a little bit of that gunslinger thing to him from what I saw. He can make some big throws. So I think that's kind of the thing to watch just because of what we saw KJ Costello do to LSU, you know. And that, you know, yeah, I think he's going to test those corners and they're going to make some plays because they did against Tennessee. I mean, they weren't a good enough football team to win that game and LSU should do the same. But that's kind of what I'm watching. But with all of that said and all of that, I mean, yes, I think LSU should win this one handily. It's probably. In terms of just like overall game, one of the it's a good, it's a solid matchup that's still a winnable game. You know, I think Missouri's a well-run, competent football team that's just not there yet. You know, so I think Missouri's you know a little triple option kind of it's not triple option, but a very option-based spread offense that does a lot of creative stuff. That's going to be really fun to watch against an LSU defense that, like we said, is still inexperienced, still has to work on tackling, being responsible, all those things. That could definitely make life tough for them. So. Well, I, I think I'm mainly watching Mizzou's offense against uh, LSU's defense. Good stuff. Brody Miller, appreciate it, man. Um, outside of sports, what's something that you could just go on and on about the way T-Bob does about so many things? Like, what's a passion of Brody Miller's outside of work? Oh, definitely movies, man. I, I'm not exaggerating. Since I was, like, nine years old, I've probably gone to a movie theater at least once a week for my entire life, or if not twice a week. That is my... That is my happy place. So movies is definitely my uh, my my number one nerd area where I I see like upwards of seventy five movies a year sometimes, and so it's uh that's definitely my favorite genre. What you got? Well, I'm I'm a little bit of a, a a tool in this way, but I feel like my favorite movies tend to be like like a Noah Baumbach, you know, like kind of like quirky, you know, human independent movie. Those are some of my favorites. But I mean, I love like a Tarantino movie also at the same time. I'm not gonna. 
I mean, that, like Pulp Fiction is probably my favorite movie. It's, I mean, it's a classic. Man, I, growing up, I watched, I watched way too many movies, so I, uh, I won't, I won't disagree with you there. But um, <laughs> it's funny. I, there was, uh, I guess, Rewatchables podcast this week on kicking and screaming, oh, you know, which uh, is one of his first. But yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into that as well. You know, my, I, I don't watch. Look, I have three kids now, so I don't get to watch too many adult movies or long movies or anything like that. More TV shows now than when I was younger, but but growing up and like through college and stuff, I mean, it didn't matter, you know, award-winning blockbuster, foreign films. I mean, I was I took film film classes in college, so I, I it reached a point in life where it's like there's this cutoff point. So anything like prior to kids, I could just go on and on about movies with you. But once I had kids, like last five years, it's all a blur, man. I don't I don't even remember the last. You're movie scaring I saw. me. Because I'm probably having, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but <laughs> my girlfriend and I are talking about kids in the next year or two, and now I'm now you're scaring me my movie intakes. Cause hey, maybe you I know, got to rethink this. <laughs> on the on the on the on the scale, you know, you can keep some passions right, but you know, the first one, once you have three that are five and under, like I do, it gets a little more difficult. But you're, nah, I'm not scared. You man, kids are great. Do it. Every, everyone will say don't. Everyone will say do it. You. I'll just say go ahead and just do it. You'll love it. It'll be fun. All right, good plan. I think that's a great strategy. Right. Just have kids. Just yeah, don't just scared. just 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 don't get mad at me whenever you're uh, perpetually exhausted. You were the first person I'm going to yell at. I think that's the rules here. Brody Miller has uh, has been our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. See, now you got me. I swear, I, I know I keep doing this. Final final question. So you say Pulp Fiction is one of your favorite. What is your second to favorite Tarantino film? Second favorite, okay. Uh, I think I gotta say, "Inglorious Bat." Oh, am I? Am I, am I, am I yeah, yeah, it's fine. You can say it's the name but, uh, of the movie. It's spelt different. You could say it, right? It's "Inglorious Bastards." There we go. Yeah, I think you know. It's time. I love that movie when it came out, but I didn't think like I didn't rank it that high. But I think his last decade's gone on. I really do think that. Like, you could even make an argument that's his best movie. I think that's. It's got the, some of the best, just tense, you know, like Hitchcockian scenes. Yeah. And it's funny as any of them it's just it's like one of those movies where you're seeing you know like michael fassbender and like a bunch of guys that aren't stars yet kind of break out a little bit it's kind of just like perfect tarantino in my eyes i liked uh i think i liked the hateful eight more than others did i'm um, with you yeah it's I, a perfect I, western like, it really like, was it's literally a hitchcock movie so much of it is like uh, what i love about it is how much of it you could actually like granted minus like the the violence and some of the aesthetics that come along with that just in terms of the actual scripts for some of his movies yep. you couldn't do it for kill bill but for some of his movies like the long scene in death proof you're like man this is like a play like you could sit down here and you could do this on a stage and then they have these big action sequences and you're like okay that'd be hard yep. to pull off on a stage but in terms of like the long dialogue there's not enough of that in film anymore and uh, and somehow tarantino i don't know that's just part of what makes him great is he's able to do it and it even even like in 2015 when that came out, like even in like a, you know, at that point, I would say our ADD social media, just <laughs> no, no attention span. He's still able to just have this uh, really intriguing dialogue where you just sit there and you're like, I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I think you actually nailed it. I really do. I think that movie, like, it's not going to rank that high for me just because I love everything else. But, I mean, I think that movie holds up. I think the movie actually should age better than a lot of his others in some ways because it is like you said it is a play and that's what it's my favorite kind of movie sometimes it's just like six guys or however many guys in a room with just like a upstairs tension incredible dialogue it really is his most like just 
airplane-like movie, and that's why I love that. I'm with you, man. Brody Miller covers the LSU Tigers for The Athletic at Brody A. Miller on Twitter. He and T-Bob have the Hold That Podcast podcast for any LSU fans out there. You definitely want to subscribe and listen to that. Thanks for talking Tigers with us, Brody, and a little film, man. I'd love to have you on again in the future if you're down for it. Absolutely, man. Hit me up anytime. It's a lot of fun. You got it.